You are listening to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com with an orchard of wisdom just ready for your picking, filled with illuminating, inspiring stories. Do check out the community and the discovery stores. We are here for you. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Story Matters. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guests, you've been listening to their shows for the last couple of weeks on narcissism, Liz Anushka and Sarah, and we are going to be talking today about recovering from narcissism. Sarah Squires is, uh, specializes in the parenting side, narcissistic parents and children, um, and the scars that it leaves children, so kind of trying to help children not be scarred from narcissistic parents. And Anushka specializes in um, relationships. And boy, do we get trapped into those relationships and uh, it can cripple us. And we don't actually don't understand why. And how do you recognize a narcissist? We you know, throw this word around a great deal, and especially when it's to do with American politics right now and American show business. It's, it's uh, really, really uh, prevalent over there. And we need to actually understand how do we recognize a narcissist in our own lives and how do we recover from it? You know, when is it time to walk or is there something we can do to stay in the relationship and empower ourselves? These are all the questions we're going to ask today. But um, if you actually look at the the blog here on the show posting, you're going to see that there are different types of narcissism. And by covering those, we're actually going to break it down because there's different levels. Not everybody is, you know, completely psychopathic uh, narcissist um, there are different levels of it and you've got to be the decider can you cope with it are you an powerful uh, woman or man in a relationship with a narcissist that you can cope with it or does it mean exit um, exit and recovery how do we recover from a narcissistic abuse it takes time I know been through one and clearly they have too that's the reason why they're in the business so yeah. <laughs> let's dive right into it I really recommend Everybody go back and listen to their shows. The information that they share with you is, is shared over an hour long with so much knowledge and so much education. It's going to empower you through knowing that knowledge. So please go back and listen to the shows. Just simply selfdiscoveryradio.com and put in narcissism. All three shows will come up. So welcome back, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> now, we're going to do a disclaimer. Nushka's got a cold here today, so she sounds like she's got a cold in oh. her nose. Is that oh, not what yeah. she normally sounds like? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Not, nothing to apologize about. Colds happen. Um, yeah. but, and thank you for, you know, working through it here today. And I'm going to start off with you, Anushka, as you did the first show, you know, on the narcissistic relationships, which has been very well received. Yeah. Um just give us a little synopsis of you and, and what you do around the relationship. So for those listening in for the first time, then get a little flavor of you. Okay. So I, um, I basically help individuals who have been subjected to narcissistic abuse and who have suffered greatly, um, whether that's you know, psychological, um, emotional um, abuse, and it's about helping uh, the person to recover, but also educating um, the person who has gone through this um, abuse to understand what actually has happened, what is going on and what will happen. Um, and it also then when you have that knowledge, when you know what is going on, it's easier then to be able to move forward because ultimately 
really that's what it's about it's about understanding what has happened to you and then moving forward from this mm-hmm. and so I help individuals not to be stuck in this loop so that they don't remain basically in the victim syndrome I want I, I, I help people I want people not to be victims but then move on to being survivors and then thriving after yeah. this ab- abuse basically and being able to trust love again and attract it oh, from the yes, right people, yes. which is important. And of course, Sarah, you are around the parenting, which is really, really tough because children just don't have much power around uh, narcissistic parents, do they? No, um, parents are probably the most powerful people in a child's life. And when you have a narcissist who, whose power is um, directed in completely the wrong and unhealthy way. And that can cause long-term damage to children and also to the co-parent. So it's looking at helping adult children of narcissists and also people that are attempting to co-parent with a narcissist right now so that they can basically get through that recovery that Anusha's talking about whilst still protecting the children and not being drawn into every drama that the narcissist tries to drag them into by using the children as the weapons to do that. You know, and I'm going to hit on a, on a thing here is like when somebody's in a narcissistic relationship and there are children and we know what a narcissist can do. They, they demean you, they demoralize you, they bring you down, they make you feel like you're worth nothing. Um, and it's all about that control, their control over you. And you could have taken a very strong, mm-hmm. very together woman with this narcissist. And people say, well, why did you hook up with them? Well, we know we're going to get to the charming side of it in a moment and kind of go over a little bit the different types but when you know talking about what you're talking about Sarah the co-parent may be a loving nurturing person the other parent is a narcissist and everybody think well won't that balance out well if the narcissist is kind of beating down the co-parent how does she then or he then turn around and help the children Uh, because they're already a pulp so it's a really vicious cycle isn't it so and I think it's recognizing that that partner is a narcissist and one of the things you can't do with a narcissist is heal them or fix them or repair them unless they are willing to seek out help themselves there's nothing you can do and that's something I want us to hit on um, Anushka just to briefly go through the different types of narcissists and their behavior so we can address it from both sides and also how we can empower ourselves to recover from that particular abuse let's uh, Uh, the cerebral one let's take that one to start off with okay um so the cerebral one um that's he those type of people are very much concerned with um the type of knowledge the type of things that they know and they will try to charm and seduce you with knowledge and so um certain women would be very charmed by this would be very seduced um by this but what happens also as they relate, they, they're no different really from any of the any other types of narcissists that they are. But they, this one will particularly concentrate on that form of um, seduction, control and manipulation. And um, <clears throat> all of this is done literally so that they can control you so that you never find out really who they are or what they are doing. It's how long they can um, cast this spell over you for, so to speak. Um, and so they also may um, even with knowledge, they will try to think that they are better, that they are superior than you. Mm-hmm. And so they will try to put you down and um, 
you know, so that so that they're always they always come on top. With them, it's always about a game of hierarchy, and they're always basically on top, so to speak. So that they so that you are you're never you never come across as better than them or knowing more than them. Um, the inferior. That's right. It's about inferior. Um, it's all it is. It's about their hiding um, their their real self um, because their real self is so wounded. Um, they are so um, what's the word? They 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 have lower self esteem. Yeah. They have no confidence, and so they hide this by, for example, the cerebral one will hide it by pretending or to be really intelligent and indeed they may be very intelligent but they what they do is they use um they use their um it could be their career could be their job to hide behind it to to kind of um hook you in and um seduce you um to get you to get you on side to basically be their partner um you know there's also then there's the um oh um the somatic. Sorry, oh, I don't I want to go. No, I want to. I want to just do one by one because I'd like to throw it over oh, to, okay. to to Sarah now. Because um, when you have a celebrity parent, um, does it then become about the they want their children to be highly educated, or is it always that it doesn't matter what a child says, they know better? Well, there's both of those things. With a cerebral narcissist as a parent, then they're gonna. With we have the golden child and the scapegoat, so the mm. parent will will attach more strongly to the child who has those intelligent qualities so say one of the children is much brighter than the others then um that's the one that the narcissists will put all of their energy into they will want them to um excel in everything at school so that they can go around telling everyone how wonderful this child is how bright they are and basically get all the attention for themselves um but yeah, they will put all of their attention onto the child with the same qualities as them because children are essentially an extension of the narcissist ego. Um, and so they, they will be attracted to the same things in the child as they are within a relationship partner. Um, so it's pretty much the same. But as a, as a child, if you're not clever or you're not seemingly, um, you're more interested in sports, for example, you would totally be rejected and neglected by the narcissist because they have nothing in common with you and they, they wouldn't, they don't see you as being theirs essentially because how can they be? They're so clever and intelligent and, and you're so different. So it can be a really lonely place for a child who doesn't follow that same intellectual path. But they can also, the narcissist can force them down that path so they can be very unhappy. Um, and yeah, and if they're not able to do that, because we're not all geniuses, yeah. um, then they'll be, they will be put down regularly, they will be belittled. But the narcissist will not want the child to be cleverer than them. Right. Okay. So, you know, on both sides of it, how do you recover from a cerebral relationship? You know, what can we do with the children once somebody's managed to get hold of them to help them? And what do we do in a relationship if you have somebody like that? So let's talk about now recovering from these type of relationships, the cerebral one. Anushka? Okay, um, so recovery. I think um, 
in all cases it's about limiting your contact or going no contact um i know that's not always possible for example when you have children with a zebra or narcissist um but it's about maintaining your boundaries um, boundaries are what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept um and it's about being firm um and in terms of limited contact or if you you know if you have to communicate with them i guess it's um a lot of it is about being very focused on what you want to say and you just you kind of communicate what you want what you need to communicate the bare minimum um also um narcissists all of them they feed off emotions so they will manipulate situations so that you do show emotion so it's about limiting your exposure to that as well um you need to also if you're going to recover from narcissistic abuse in general you need to have a good support network you need to you need to have um friends and family that um they don't have to understand what narcissistic abuse is but you just need someone who who is going to be there to support you um also therapists um counselors um if you decide to go down that road they're also a great source of help um but i would say that mainly in a nutshell though those are the four um kind of um qualities or things that i would do if you wanted to recover from a narcissistic relationship So Sarah a little harder you know as you said when you've got um, you know co-parenting going on yeah are there any tips that you can share there Well for the children I think it's so important that you show them that there's more to life than just one area yeah it's great to be clever but actually it's also great to enjoy a bit of sport it's also great to have fun with your friends it's also great to do the odd naughty thing from time to time you've got to have a balanced life and a narcissist isn't capable of that so when you're trying to co-parent with one you have to show them those things you have to teach them that there's more to life than just this one particular aspect and actually just to reset the balance whereas the narcissist will put everything into the intellectual side of the child's life you as a co-parent you can take them to dance class take them to other things that the football just do fun things with them that shows them that actually healthy balanced people have a range of interests and are not just interested in this one area um if you, i mean if you're attentive to co-parent with it it's exactly what anusha said just don't react to them just focus on your own parenting they'll they'll slate you they'll tell you you're doing everything wrong they'll try and baffle you with lots of big words <laughs> and t- and the whole word salad will be thrown at you you'll get emails that are four pages long <laughs> telling you how terrible you are but actually just bypass all of that and just focus on doing your own good healthy parenting and let them let them do whatever they want to do you can't i think what what one of the things with children when you're compared to a narcissist is we think we have to wrap them up in cotton wool and actually you're 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 letting them miss an opportunity to learn and what they need to do they're going to they're their parents they're going to be in a life of the rest the rest of their existence so you have to give them the skills to deal with these so it's no good just saying I'll deal with them I'll deal with them actually you need to teach your children how how can they deal with this how can they boost put those boundaries in place themselves because if you do it actually you're taking that power away from them whereas 
you should be empowering them to do those things and modeling it through all the things that Anusha, Anusha said. If, you, if you're modeling that, if you're doing it yourself, the kids are going to pick up on that and they're going to learn how to do it from you. So once you can do it yourself, then you model it to your kids and they'll, they'll pick up on that. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things is um, uh, whatever they do, and I think this will run through the theme of everything, is don't take it personally. It's their issue, right? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go to the somatic. Um, Hit that one for us, Anushka. Okay, so the somatic narcissist is all about the image. Um, It's... um, it's about how good they look. Um, it's about what image they portray and how others kind of perceive them. That's really, really important to them, and that important to them, and that's what drives them forward. Um, somatic narcissists tend to be rather more interested in sexual conquests as well. Um, that will be very important to them. Um, so that would be things about you know that they'll be exhibiting um, you know body part. If it's a woman, then she'd be very sexualized. If it's a guy they would be you know at the gym you know uh, flaunting their muscles they'll be bragging about like um their their physical um aesthetics um they'll be very obsessed with um youthfulness it's all basically it's all to do with their image Mm -hmm. and um like like the cerebral narcissist who's all it's all about knowledge um, they would try to put you down by saying that they're better than you. Um, I look better than you. Look, I've had more partners, sexual partners than you. There was always be this competition. But ultimately, it's always about the hierarchy. I'm better than you. You are nothing. You are lucky to be with me. Right. And, and of course, they're never, ever a long time in a relationship either because it's on to the no. next flavor. Um, do we see too ma- um, many somatic parents? Because I would imagine somatic people are kind of more the, the single people. Sarah? Um, no, I think I think that um, the somatic narcissists absolutely can um, pair up and have children um, because children are the ultimate status symbol because they're the, the ultimate reflection of them, how their sexual prowess. Look, I've had sex. I've got a baby. I must have had someone. So actually, children are the ultimate statement of how wanted they are they're virile they are um they're able to produce children this is i'm fertile that this, that's what children represent as the um somatic narcissist is actually a statement of look how wanted i am look how look how much someone wanted to have sex with me i have children so yeah <laughs> they can absolutely they will have children um so but yeah, they Will it be then all about the image of the children, the way they dress, the way they look? If the yeah. if they have a child yeah. that's not pretty, kind of not want to see them out there, you know, is it becomes again Very the image is transferred to the to the family? Yeah, they will be. These will be the ones that are plastered all over Facebook of how perfect their family is. They'll be the Instagram. Um, people, not to slag off social media. Obviously, I use it myself in business, <laughs> yeah. but actually. it's become a playground for narcissists because they they get to present their very best version of themselves and their children. You see beauty pageants, in my eyes, that's the ideal place for a narcissist to take their children and go, look how beautiful my children are. Look how beautiful I am. Look how beautiful I am Mm -hmm. because look how gorgeous my child is. And that's what it's always about with them. And you see that. You You see parents and actually it's when you pay a compliment to the child, 
the parent takes that on as a compliment to them. Right. You're saying you're saying, oh well, oh isn't your child cute? That must mean I'm cute. Yeah. That's how they see it. Right. They are, like I say, they are that perfect extension of their own personality. Um, but as you say, if you get get a child who maybe isn't quite as aesthetically um, pleasing in the eyes of the narcissist, obviously, right. in the eyes of the beholder, um, then yes, yeah, that child will be put down, and they will be told that they are worthless. Ultimately, they're they're not worth anything because they can't use their their looks. They will use their looks to get ahead in life as well. They will encourage. If you've read Great Expectations, Miss Havisham is the ideal per- that she is the somatic narcissist. She wanted um, I've got I can't remember her name now. <laughs> the one that Miss uh, Piss, the one that right. like anyway. He, she encourages her to use her womanly wiles to lure in men, and right. that's exactly what a, what a narcissistic parent would do to the children. Use your looks to lure people in, mm. um, but obviously that affects their self esteem because. We're not just looks, are we? That's just the packaging. What if they have an accident and, and something changes? That damages their self-esteem. So, again, we talk about balance. So, how, you know, how do you empower yourself? You've had a relationship with someone like that and, you, and you've been made to feel unworthy because, um, you know, you don't look youthful and perky and everything else anymore. Um, they're on to the next. Um, you know, how do you survive that? How do you get over that? Well, it's like Sarah says, actually, it's we it, the aesthetics is not it's not always about that. It's about what's going on inside, isn't it? Your your personality, your characteristic. It's about you, isn't it? And so we have to remember that, like Sarah, like Sarah says as well, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. OK, you were with a narcissist. So, I mean, how much validity is going to be in in the words of the narcissist here. It's really about, you know, learning about who you are, who you were before you even met the narcissist. It's about self-empowerment, self-esteem and building confidence here. Because, That's you, ultimately, yeah. Because wouldn't, wouldn't the somatic be the one to, you know, you need a breast implant? Um, we're seeing we're seeing children now kind of going for plastic surgery uh, you know at the age of 10 which I think is criminal would that be a somatic Sarah you know where they want their children to already be kind of molded in in yeah completely I mean who doesn't look at their child and thinks they're the most beautiful thing in the world it doesn't matter if your her child is born with four heads you still think it's the most beautiful thing in the world so to be saying to your child or encouraging your child you need a nose job you need this you need that yes that's absolutely narcissistic because you know what kids are gorgeous and and we should be teaching them that beauty is not skin deep beauty is who you are it's your core and actually we should be helping children in schools and in across society to understand that Beauty is in your personality. It is in that belief and confidence comes from how you hold yourself. Someone can, I always thought Dawn French was beautiful because she was confident. She may not have been aesthetically the most pleasing person to a lot of people, but actually I thought she was beautiful because she held herself. She had confidence. And that's what we need to teach children, that confidence is the most attractive quality in the world. And 
Yeah. Well, so. beauty beauty is an inside uh, thing, isn't it? You know, when um, yes. Yeah. I'm, a, a quick little insert of a story here. I had a wonderful young lady on called Keshi who had been a burn victim in a plane crash and burnt all over her body, and she went on America's Got Talent show here. And of course, initially the reaction because clearly, you know, disfigured, you know. Um, 65% of her body burnt, so clearly. And then she started singing, and you could feel the love and the beauty and the love of life. And I've interviewed her twice, and each time she's been a wonderful inspiration. And all of a sudden, people didn't see the scars or anything else anymore. They saw the beauty. Mm-hmm. They saw the soul. They saw the spirit. You know, they saw the heart of her. And I think in a lot of ways, we are craving that, isn't it? We don't want the exterior to be the only thing people see. We want our interior. So, the more nurturing we put on that, the more we can radiate that out, which a somatic would never see, right? It's all about the Absolutely. exterior. Yes, oh, and I think, yeah, and, and this, and exactly that, the narcissist, we've got to remember that the narcissist would never, ever be able to give that, that beauty, that soul, that um that beauty from within they don't have that what they have is something completely different it's it's darkness and hatred and vengeance and i think all of them they they see that and they are jealous of us for that so when when a narcissist does say all these things to you to put you down they are seeing the goodness in you and they are jealous that yeah. that you have that and they want that you know, they, they would never be able to feel what that's like to be a genuine, authentic person. So when you talk about recovery, you, you have to remember who, what they are made up of. What is their soul all about? Who are they? It's not about that they look good because they've got muscles and they work out seven times a week in the gym. It's really what's, what's inside and it's so damaged. And that's what they're trying to hide. Mm. That's the facade. I'm so wonderful. I am the package. But that's it. There's nothing underneath that. There is darkness and revenge and hatred underneath. And massive amount and of insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a protective mechanism. It's don't look at the inside. Look how beautiful I am on the outside. Mm-hmm. Focus on that. It's the smoke and mirrors. Right. It's, yes. it's deflecting the, you from looking any deeper because, yeah, inside they are that... They are that vulnerable, frightened child. Yes. And they don't want you to see that. They want you to think that they are wonderful. And, yeah, looks looks does do that. Looks makes you – it kind of hides, doesn't it? Yeah. Look at – in the animal kingdom, we're easily drawn to the most flamboyant. That's why their poisonous snakes have the brightest colours, because you're dazzled by how pretty they are, mm. and then they bite you and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. should learn from nature here yes yeah and and uh, you know we we do you know if also there's the other factor folks if they're at the gym seven days a week and pruning themselves where do they have time for you anyway you know they're far too much in love <laughs> yeah. with their mirror so you know if, if they're constantly looking in the mirror and pruning themselves honey you know you're just the flavor of the week time to move on okay yes. so let's yes. talk about the overt personality the overt personality. Well, you know, it's it's as it's as the title suggests. <laughs> it's they are very much um, out there. They um, attract attention to themselves with their words and uh, with their looks as well. Um, and they they try to very much. Um, they try to be. Um, they are quite aggressive. Um, they can be exploitative, and they have. Um, extreme delusions of grandeur basically and and that all of that is because of their need 
for attention. Um, the thing is, they, they also don't like, they cannot take criticism so that you cannot belittle them. They absolutely hate that. They are very hypersensitive um, and they have these delusions of persecution. So they will look and they will scan their environment to, and, and they will listen to what's going on because they just don't want anyone to say anything bad about them. For them, it's about um, hoovering in all the attention that they can um, and they are very, yeah, and they're, they're very grand in their personality. Oh, look at me. Look at my wonderful car. Look, it's a brand new red Porsche. You know, because all the attention is on them. It's about, for them, I think also it's about um, status as well. Um, and it's about showing off. Mm. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. An overt parent, Sarah? Well, I think just to sum up what Manish um, said is that essentially they are unashamedly narcissistic. They're actually quite proud of who they are. They They don't feel that they're wrong in any way, shape or form. They want all eyes to be on them. So as a parent, you, you don't stand a chance, essentially, because it's all it's all about them. They will be jealous the second you are born mm-hmm. because you take up the attention and they will neglect. They will essentially neglect their children because they, they've got they serve no purpose. They'll parade them around when it suits them if they're at a charitable event or something and they need to look like a doting parent, they'll parade you around. But actually, nine times out of ten, they, they probably don't even know your name. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But, but they're very, they, they don't see any problem with their behaviours. They're not interested in people. They're interested in possessions. So, mm. yeah, children... Children just aren't, aren't factored in whatsoever. Right. So, of course, a child is just always looking to their parents to love them, you know, and nurture them. And that love and nurturing is never going to happen with an overt parent. Um, it's, you know, pick up, cuddle, cuddle, put down, as long as they, you know, the eyes are on them. And then put down, off you go, play somewhere else out of my sight so for a child it's always like well why doesn't you know mummy or daddy love me um and they're always seeking love from from the parent and the parent is just incapable of giving it yes no it's the ultimate rejection um they'll never have that they'll never be noticed in the eyes so this is where if if somebody you know has a, a daughter or a son in a relationship like this and they haven't yet realized they need to get out of it this is where uncles and aunts or family members or neighbors or whatever can kind of step up and kind of give that child some loving support because uh, they need it from somewhere don't they otherwise you know they're going to end up like any one of the parents <coughs> yeah definitely um the um, the support around it, but what you find sometimes with the overt narcissists is that they're actually incredibly—they're in powerful positions because because we live in a society where actually some of these qualities are celebrated. They can become quite powerful, and so you might find that families, um, narcissistic families, where there's an overt narcissist, they're very isolated from their own families because they don't. The narcissist controls everything and they'll be the ones that live in the big houses. And, and so it's it's a very different environment for a child to grow up in. And they probably don't have access to that support network. They'll be, like I say, they'll be paraded around. They'll be pushed off to boarding school. Mm-hmm. They, they, they won't have that environment. So, um, 
yeah, it's a very sad, it's a very sad environment for a child, a very rejecting environment for, mm. for that child to grow up in. So recovery from that, if they don't become somewhat narcissistic themselves, constantly looking for attention, is, uh, you know, at whatever particular age to realize it's not them, you know, and to what will happen, of course, is then they will start seeking kind of love in all the wrong places, won't they? Yeah, uh, we have to hope that somewhere um, somewhere in the interactions that a child has with people, whether it be at a boarding school, there might be um, a, quite a good friend or a, a particularly nurturing teacher who actually builds some of that resilience within them. Um, but it, it, they're, so, they're so powerful that actually what you probably find is that these, these children grow up thinking that they deserve and they have their own ideas about their own grandiosity so they grow up to mirror the actions of the overt narcissist because look at all the rewards that the overt narcissist gets mm. they get the fast cut they get the nice car the nice house the the beautiful husband the beautiful wife and so the child just thinks that's the way to behave if i want to get what i want out of life that's the way to behave so these are probably the hardest children to break that cycle with because there's absolutely no there's no negatives for them. They don't get the love, but actually they get the money and the status. Right. So so this is where when we talk about someone being a kind of a spoiled brat, you know, very often mm, that's, yeah. that spoiling is, is a substitute for love. Oh, completely, yeah. Mm. They don't know. Narcissists don't know how to love with emotion, so they will indulge. And they think that that's Buy the same it. thing. Buy it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that's so true. <sighs> yeah, so, you know... The thing is, what we're seeing a pattern of here, and we're going to go over to covert right now, but is that if we don't break the cycle with the children, with whatever personality is there, they're endangered of becoming that narcissist. So kind of what we're doing in society is almost kind of manufacturing them from the parenting Mm -hmm. that's going on. So, you know, just a pause for the moment before we get on to the next part is that if you were listening to this and you recognize any one of these particular narcissistic personalities, you owe it not only to yourself, but to your children to find a way out. Because otherwise, the very thing that you don't like, the very thing that has belittled you, the very thing you're afraid of, that's taken all your power away, your children will become. And so if you truly love your kids, find the strength and courage within yourself to get out because you're helping your kids along the way. Okay, let's go to covert. Are you covert narcissists? Oh, goodness. Well, these personality types are, I I personally think they are the worst because as as the name suggests, covert, everything that is done, all the abuse, all the behaviours and things that are ascertained onto you, they are done in a covert manner. So you're always double-guessing. You're thinking, hold on, do they just say that? They, did they mean that? And you make excuses. Mm. And so the validity of what is going on or, or the potency of their abuse is so much more advanced than, say, the others because you're, 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 you make excuses when you think, no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that to me. They wouldn't hurt me like that. But they do. They did mean it and they do. So the characteristics of a covert narcissist, they have this quiet smugness about them. Um, And sometimes 
it's not easy to spot. But what happens is the abuse is very specific or very personal to you, the comments that they say mm. and the things that they do. Um, when it's very specific to you, it's personal. It's a personal attack on you. And that's where it's really hurtful. And that's where the impact of this abuse is so much more. It hurts so much more. Covert narcissists also have a self-absorption. Actually, all of them do, um, not in just in particular a covert one, um, but they, they, they have this kind of um, sense of withdrawn self-centeredness. Um, even though they may appear to be really quiet and they're really good listeners, um, but what they're doing is something else is going on here. They are sizing you up. They are listening to what you're saying and the information. They, they, t- what you're talking to them about, they're, they're taking in as information to lay at a later stage be used against you. Mm. And that's where I mean when they are when they are being abusive towards you. It is personal to you because they're using that information that you have talked about your fears, yes. your vulnerabilities. They use this against you. Yeah, and it and it's a, such a betrayal of trust. You've trusted them with some information, and they go throw yes. it back in your face as if it was, you know, whatever happened to you was your fault. You asked for it, you know, that was all yes. you're worth. And all of a sudden, you know, that trust is completely and utterly shattered. So, and they're they're very much the piranhas, aren't they? Like yes, they, they go are. for the juggler, and they won't stop until they're finished. And you try and yes. confront them with it afterwards, and they don't remember a thing. That's right. And then you and then you you second guess yourself as yeah. well. And, and that's abusive. That's well, that's gaslighting, isn't it? It's mm. you, you question your own reality. And that's that's psychological abuse. And that's, you know, and also emotional abuse. You know, um, they put you down. They say you're flawed, you're unworthy um, and you're you know, you're mentally out of tune with yourself. They'll even say that you're mentally ill mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, also, like with all of the other um, narcissistic traits, they have a massive lack of empathy. But specific to covert narcissists, they have this passive aggressiveness about them. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, you, you have to agree with them. You, you can't disagree. They're always right. Don't you dare disagree with them. <laughs> and of course, you know, you've put here that there's a lot of religious le- leaders and teachers and counselors yes, and politicians. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, they seek power because really what it is, it's, it's all about control and power and lording over you, isn't it? You yes. know, I'm going to put you down is to make sure that I'm always above you. And they're very, very good Absolutely. at it. Now, a covert yes. parent, Sarah, this is... Would you say maybe the most demoralizing of them all? Well, yeah, I just wanted to share one of my favorite analogies about the covert narcissist, which is the boiling frog. Um, if you put a frog in boiling hot water, it will immediately jump out. But if you put a frog in lukewarm water, it will quite happily lay there and you can slowly turn up the heat until eventually that frog boils to death. And that's what, and that is exactly what a covert narcissist does. You go into a relationship, and then the abuse is so subtle; it's that gentle bubbling, and but it's long term. The narcissist, the covert, plays the long game, and they slowly but surely wear you down until you're destroyed. Um, but as a parent, they actually will present as the perfect parent because covert narcissists want everyone to think that they are caring. That's why they become priests teachers all those kind of things because actually they want everyone to think that they're a caring person it's all part of the disguise 
Um, yes. And so as a parent, they will present as the perfect parent. They will do nothing wrong. Everything they do is wonderful and better than everyone else. Anything that the child does that is wrong will be the child's fault. You mm. criticize a covert narcissist parent's parenting and they will rage at you. Um, so for professionals who, who work with um, children and families, these are the key warning signs is that those parents who present as being too good to be true, they are. Right. <laughs> would, they, would they be the ones to get violent? Parents get annoyed. Coverts, um, they're not stupid enough to get violent. If they were going to cause pain, then they would try and do it in a way that they could easily cover it up. Right. Um, so it could be... Um, it could be a scratch that they would explain as being something else. All narcissists are capable of physical and sexual abuse. Um, but it's it's how some of them will be more... in Like the overt narcissist, they don't think they've done anything wrong. The covert is aware of societal norms and they want to portray this image of being wonderful. And so they, wouldn't, they would do everything they could to keep that hidden and they would um, encourage the child to keep secrets, they would create this enmeshed life with the child whereby the child can't do anything without permission from the parent because they don't want those secrets getting out. They have to preserve this holier-than-thou, and they hide behind religion a lot of the time. Would you say Um, this is the one that's the most sexual predator? Um... No, I wouldn't say that they're more likely to do it than others. I think it's how they how they would deal with it. Um, All narcissists have a sexual element to them because it's um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's your bottom rung. And narcissists are always in that bottom rung. They're always on survival mode. They never get higher than that. Even the most successful people, they don't get past that bottom rung. They're just constantly doing whatever they need to survive. And sex is in that bottom rung. But it's how they it's how they deal with the victims, and it's how they perceive it, and what the, what the purposes of it. Some of them do it for the emotional side; they want that, they need that closeness. Um, whereas some of them, it is purely a, an abuse of their power. So it, I could, it's it's impossible to say that any one particular type of narcissist is more likely than the other. It just all depends on the dynamics around. Right. But they might be they might be the, the, the ones that kind of get away with it more because of the covertness uh, and the manipulation. Get away with this thing. Yeah. yeah. These are the ones that we get, you won't these are the ones that when you come out of a relationship with them, no one would believe you. Right. Everyone yes. would say like they're wonderful. What yes. are you yes. mad? What yes. have you left them for? <laughs> yes. Yep, that's then, the one. Yeah. You're so jamming to have had them in the first place. Exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's what they get away with it because they've created this butter wouldn't melt image of themselves that this perfect and that's why child abuse goes unnoticed for these children is because when they do say something everyone goes they wouldn't do that don't no, tell lies been lying. yeah yeah, yeah. Poor child. yes and so many yeah. of them like Maybe. that all right now this one probably speaks for itself but parasitic Anushka. <laughs> 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 yes they are parasites aren't they um yeah, Paris, it's I guess with with these um, with these types of um, narcissists, I guess it's um, it's all about 
it, it they're kind of like more inverted narcissists and they live and they and it's the lifestyle that they lead um but it's um it's a it, 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 parasitic what does it mean it's an organism that grows and feeds and is sheltered on a different organism so they're basically like leeches they leech mm. onto you and suck the life from you they want to take and take and take so it could be it could be that you're in a relationship basically with one of these narcissists and it's like you have to mother them because what they are wanting is they are they are wanting resources from you Okay, and you and you have to feed that. You have to give them everything that they want, and it's it's basically a it's it's a mindset, isn't it? It's it's their mm. mindset is that they're entitled to that. Why why shouldn't they provide for me? Why shouldn't I be able to have whatever I want, and they can provide that for me? Mm. Yeah, it's me, me, me. Uh, it doesn't matter yeah. at the expense yeah. of you. Uh, it's my yeah. needs must be met first. Um, parasitic yeah. parents, Sarah. Well, I think um, the parasitic narcissist is a sort of narcissist who will flit and probably have numerous people on the side. They'll have lots of supply because they want to get as much as they can from everyone around them. They're unlikely to be in a committed relation. I say committed in the loosest of terms for narcissism, but they're unlikely to have children within a relationship, but they will have children because they'll be promiscuous. So they will reject these children. They won't have anything to do with them. They'll only come into their lives if they think that they can serve a purpose. So these are probably the children narcissists are pro- these narcissists are probably going to be the most well adjusted because they won't have the narcissist in their lives very much right right and of course i think it's very different if you have a narcissistic father to a narcissistic mother if it's the mother in the household raising the children you know then we're looking very very different if you're looking at a narcissistic father and the mother's the nurturer well the mother can be just as much as a victim as the kids but that mother's going to pour that love into the kids so it's a different demographic isn't it whether it's father or mother um Ah, or the I'm person that's had home raising that. the kids. For my, for my, from my point of view, um, attachment is regardless of gender. It doesn't matter. The quality of the attachment is regardless of what hangs between your legs. So, a mother <laughs> or a father can raise a child with just as much love. That, to me, gender does not play a role in abuse. Abuse is not gender. It's right. It's abuse. It's and just. I'm just speaking no it from. If, you know, if a mum is at home raising the kids, uh, would we see a narcissist stay at home and play, the, you know, the, the parent role? Or are they career-based type people because they want to be out? No, no, you find lots of unemployed narcissists. You find narcissists will stay at home. If that, if, if you, I mean, in my experience, it's a female narcissist. Mm-hmm. And this female narcissist is a covert narcissist who stays at home with the kids because those kids are all, that's her status. I am mother, and as long as I have these children, then I command a certain amount of respect. And so, from a parenting point of view, yeah, there's, there's gender roles. If you're looking at gender specifics of how men go out to work and mm-hmm. women stay at home, but actually society's changed and that we don't fit into those norms anymore. So, I pers- I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm a strong advocate for, for male abuse because actually... I don't agree with gender being part of this. I think that narcissists can be male or female and it shouldn't even it shouldn't even be part of the equation because then we're falling into gender stereotypes. Right. And that takes that takes away from the key points. Yep, point made there. Um uh, boomerang. 
Okay. Um, what is a boomerang, Anushka? Okay, so a boomerang narcissist is um, somebody, as the as the um, name suggests, that these are people who, um, or these are personality types that um, have, you know, you've been involved with one of them, they leave, but they come back. Um, and so it's about, it. they do come back, but they come back for more supply. It's not because they've missed you and that they genuinely, absolutely um, love you. It's just that they come back because they want to get something out of you, something more out of you. And if you um, don't see or if you're not wise to what they are doing, then yes, of course, you will get back into the relationship with them. Um, And these types are quite simple to spot um, because they will be in and out of your life all the time. Um, And that's because they haven't invested in you emotionally. They're kind of very much neutral. Um, you, You don't mean much to them. It's just literally um what you can what you can give them um and it's about also um they they attach themselves to you but in an unhealthy way because again it's about what you can give them what what supply you can give them and supply i mean um things like um material gain um and that's financial um what other things you can do for them um that they that they want from you um yeah and so so basically these 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 types are quite easily easily you know you can spot them right because they just keep coming back for kind of replenishment and then off they go again right um a boomerang parent is you know the part-time mum and dad yeah, definitely. Um, they only come back when it suits them. So it may be when they get a new partner and they want to pretend that they are the perfect parent, then they will pop back into the child's life. So obviously this creates a lot of insecurity and anxiety for the child. Um, and it's very hard when you're co-parenting to manage that because you don't want to discourage a relationship with the parent, but equally you don't want to keep subjecting them to the are they going to turn up? Are they not going to turn up? Um, so this is, it, it's a really difficult one to to sort of advise parents on how to best co-parent with a boomerang. Um, obviously, dependent upon the age. Um, so it's not yeah, it's not nice for the child to be, keep being picked up and put down again. As it's right. not nice for an adult to keep being picked right, up and exactly. put down again. Yeah. Now, of course, a narcissist is going to be very jealous and very possessive. Um, is there any one particular uh, narcissist here that, you know, when it comes to somebody's moved on to a new relationship, you know, where um, you 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 know, you hear of people just shooting the ex and the and their lover or their new husband because if I can't have you, no one will. Is there any particular kind of um, narcissist there? Or are we looking at sociopath or psychopath on that when it gets to that extreme, Anushka? Um, do you know what? Um... I can't even say can't even say that oh it's one particular um narcissistic type that would do that all of them are like that with a narcissist for them because they don't regard you as a person they regard you as an object for them it's you'll always belong to them that's why they will at some point or another they will always come back you know why because they want to know um can I still use you as a source of supply are you still there for me 
um, how is your life now? Do I still have control over you? And have you moved on? And that's, those are the kind of four concepts that are going on in one of these, you know, in, in, in their mind. Because at the end of the day, you belong to them. You're their possession. So, you know, I'm coming back and I'm coming to take you. Sociopaths um, actually um, coincidentally do the same thing. They view people as um, objects. So they do tend to... Um, they do tend to come back and um, they, you know, they, they want to see if, if, uh, if, if they can still have control over you. And, and these, these, these are the types of people that are more likely, like you say, the shooting of the ex. These are the type of people um, that would do that. They have, they, they don't have no scrutiny over that. They, it's about because you belong to me. If I can't have you, no yeah. one else is going to have you. But it's double standards because they can do whatever they want, but you can't. Right. You're not allowed to move on. You belong to me. Okay? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that's, you know, that's, that's what it's like. It's, it's like, think about it. When you, when you have a child and, you know, you have an action man or a Barbie doll and somebody else asks, well, can I, can I play with, with that toy? You know, you share it. No. You're not no, and the child will go into a fit and take that toy back and go. No, it's my toy. You're allowed to share it, right. and that's is an indication, <laughs> right? Yes. yes. So yes. Sarah, actually, but I if think you, also if... sorry, but I think well, for me, I think that actually it depends upon the resources of the individual. And if you look at if you look at all the other types except for the covert, they're actually much more resourceful. So when they move on, or when you move on they're much more capable of moving on themselves because they have the, like a cerebral narcissist will happily move on to find the next most intelligent person. Um, whereas a covert actually has incredibly low self-esteem. So when you move on from a covert narcissist, they don't have that belief that they could find anyone else. So they're the ones that are most likely to, to kill you because they don't, they can't move on. They don't have the resources. They don't have the um, the same uh, yeah Ability. resources is the best word I can think. Of. Yeah. Right. Whereas the other ones are a little bit more. Um, they've learned how to maneuver and manipulate people. Whereas a covert is pretty much. I need you. You you meet my needs, and therefore you will never escape me. Can it's, it's rather uh, the reverse frog, isn't it? You know, in coming out of a relationship with a narcissist, it, it's hard to do just cut the ties and walk without the battle going on. And I, you know, if, if, you know, for me, most certainly was the planning, the seeds, the watering. You don't want me anymore. You want someone else. You know, um, and just kind of pushing away and away and away. And even after the separation. Um, he was still around for a while until eventually it's like, well, I don't want to be here anymore. So, you know, you have to be yeah. a little covert yourself in a way, isn't it? It's like um, there's a game that you have to play, unfortunately, with them. So you really do need that support around you and that help around you because sometimes just severing the tie right there and then can be very detrimental depending on which one they are. You know, it's easing the the frog out of the pot, so to speak. Um yeah. Would you agree with that, either one of you? Sarah, I don't know if you want to answer that one. Yeah, uh, 
The problem is that when you've been with a narcissist, then you don't have that support network in place. And that's what makes mm. leaving that, that much harder. Yeah. Because actually, you've had, got someone who has completely belittled you, made you believe that you're worthless, that you couldn't possibly survive without them. No one in their right mind would, wouldn't you? You're mental. If you leave, you'll lose the children. You'll never see them again. And so... And you've got no one around you to balance that against. You've got no one around you to say, look, they're wrong. You can do this. Because they've deliberately isolated you to the point that you believe everything they say. Even with even with the more overt um, narcissists who probably parade you around, they will they will use that control and say, Look, if you if you ever left me, I would destroy you. I would take everything. You'd have no money, you'd have no car, you'd have no home. No one would know you. I'd take the kids, you'd never see them again. And so it's really hard for people. And this is what's, this is what's so scary about um, the narcissist is once you're in their web, it's incredibly hard to get out of. Um, there obviously are ways and it is important to do everything, like I say, as covertly under the radar as mm. possible. Never tell a narcissist your plans. Yes, Because right. they will find a way to ruin them. Um, yes, and yes, start start with your own resources. Start doing what you can do at home before before you look to building a support network outside the home. Do whatever you can. Listen to self-help. Build your booth, uh, build your self-esteem. Really make basically unpick all the lies that they've told you about yourself and get back to believing that you're a worthy human being. Um, and then you can start looking at building everything up outside. But it does start with you. It starts with you believing that you're worth more than this. You're worth more than this. I mean, it's, you know, it's listening to shows like this, listening to other people who have gone through it. How have they come out the other end? But a word of advice, once you've listened to it, remove it from the history on the computer so that they're not seeing what you're listening to. Um, As I said, you've really got to step into covertness of empowering yourself but still playing that submissive role in their company um, until it gets to a point where the tipping point is there. And, uh, you know, it might be a long journey, but it most certainly is worth taking. And if you can, reach out to anybody in any way, whether it be online or, or, you know, someone that's around the corner, do it. But do it subtly um, because that's really important, isn't it? Absolutely. It is really important, absolutely. You know, um, I think the hardest thing, first of all, is kind of discovering or understanding what narcissistic personality disorder is. And I, I know that when I talk with clients and with a lot of other people, they always say to me, I, I can't believe that there's something like this even exists. I can't believe that I've been, I fell a mm. victim to this. And it's, And that's the key here. It's about understanding just what the hell this is, because it is it's it's something that is unbelievable. You know, you watch it in films, you you read about it in books, but you just think, oh, my God, does this really exist? And and yes, it does. And that's why it is a personality disorder. And it's like Sarah was saying, you know, you try and empower yourself and build your self-esteem. But the key, the first key here is to really educate yourself and understand and know what narcissistic personality disorder is. And there's a lot of, do you know what? There is help out there. There's a lot of online support groups like, you know, on Facebook. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, videos on YouTube that kind of educate others on, on what this is. And it's about spotting these behaviors and kind of understanding that, oh, 
oh my god I, I have been with a narcissist and that information will empower you and give you the confidence to be able to move forward and there's lots of resources out there that also help you to kind of um, tell you like step-by-step -step instructions of, of what you need to do in order to be able to be kind of like stealth about it mm. um, and then be able to kind of um, have your exit plan because really ultimately there is no coexisting or no. co-being in a in inverted commas relationship because it's not a relationship that you're in it's a interaction um you know with this narcissist it you know there's never going to be a happy ending because these people cannot connect to you they cannot bond and attach themselves in a healthy way that is going to be fulfilling to you um, in the long run right I mean you know and we've all come out of one so we, we know that you can but you know you've got to get smart with it and I think one of the first things is to realize when you educate yourself on what a narcissistic personality is is to realize no it's not you it is truly them mm. and in that is that empowerment you know I'm not you know that flawed I'm not that broken I'm not that stupid I'm not this I'm not that all the things they've told you you are in order to keep you under their thumb you realize you're not so the first thing you have to do is the empowerment of self and when you do that you're raising that vibration you're already putting those boundaries up they're already <coughs> sensing something because they no longer have that control over you and it's slowly kind of tears that bridge apart but you know you do have to be smart about it but question I want to ask is I recognize some traits in every single one of these in a partner I had can can people be on all sorts can there be a little of everything yeah um, no one yes. fits into one no it's yeah we're all I mean we all I mean we all have narcissistic traits anyway right we I have them you have them but yes absolutely and stress will bring out different qualities within the narcissist. So, yeah, it, it would be lovely if everyone fitted into these nice little packages, but no, we don't. We're very fluid. Right. Yes, absolutely. And, and also, you've got to look at it this way. The narcissist will, will ascertain whatever they can to get you into their web to mm. to get that control and that dominance over you so they will use whatever they can if you if you're more attracted to people who are intellectual they'll be more intellectual or if you're more mm. attracted to people who are who look good and are at the gym you know seven times seven times uh, in a week then they'll be that person so it's all about drawing you in drawing you in being um, a chameleon to what you want they just so they get them in your web mm. yes I think yeah. that's a really good point, actually, and I think it's one of the things that we can, when as moving forward, as you look for those, as you, as you get ready and you're looking um, potentially to begin new relationships, then that is one of the really good things to look for in someone. Is actually, do they have a really good sense of who they are, mm -hmm. or do we magic? Do they magically just happen to like everything I like? Because that's not how human beings work. Even the best of friends don't agree on everything. So if someone is agreeing with everything you say and thinks everything you do is just the same as what they do, that's a huge warning sign because it shows that actually they've probably not got any idea of who they are. They're just mirroring you. That's a really good you. point, Sarah. So, yeah. Really good point. Yeah, um, well, you true. know, when your show went up, Anushka, um, there's somebody I've interviewed before, you know, a very um, motivating coach and person, and she married someone a few months ago, and it was a quick romance, and, you know, obviously mm. a second relationship, because she's in, I think, 40s or 50s, and uh, and then it was like, oh, my God, I have to get out of this uh, relationship, and, and immediately she says... <gasps> 
this is it. I married a narcissist, you know, and, um, and so, you know, for her, it was an understanding of, you know, what, what, you know, what she had there and understanding that she needed to get out of it. So, you know, if, if these shows can just help someone get out of it, understand it's not them, empower them of what to do. Um, you know, that's, what's really, really important here because, you know, it's a vicious cycle. You know, if we don't help Absolutely. the children, they're going to become the narcissist. Because the common denominator that I'm hearing here is that the lack of nurturing, the lack of teaching of empathy and caring, the lack of love that a child gets will um, most certainly manifest into some form of narcissism. Is this correct? Well, it can manifest into any number of personality disorders. Personality disorders are related to attachment, and so it may be that they they can um, develop a borderline personality, or an antisocial, or a or a um, psychopathic <laughs> psychopathic personality <laughs> disorder. I don't know why I'm, I'm just my brain just went. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, um, atta- I mean. I bang up that attachment all the time, but it's the key. It's the key to future relationships in life. It's your blueprint for how you see yourself and how you see yourself in relationships and how you see the world. And so a narcissist who has children um, is incapable of forming a good quality attachment. They will form a disorganized or create an anxious attachment and an insecure attachment within the child which can lead to many problems in later life, even if they don't, be, even if they don't become a full-blown narcissist due to the um, resilience that's built in them from the other parent, they're still going to have attachment issues because of that relationship with the narcissist. And so it's about recognising that, and that's why it's so important that professionals and anyone working actually recognises what attachment is, how do we look for that in children, and we support parents in how do we improve the attachment? How do we how do we give them that that security that they've lacked within their childhood? Because actually, lots of research has shown that the brain is quite malleable up until about the age of seventeen. So that's a huge window of opportunity that we have with children to to reassure them and to build their confidence and to try and uh, provide a solid and secure attachment for them. And attachments can be formed to any number of people within a child's life. It's not just as we always used to think that it's a mother or a father. It can be a grandparent. It can be an auntie. It can be a teacher. It can be a youth worker. Any one of those people could actually help to create a more secure um, attachment for the child and break that cycle um, which again will, will will help future generations because mental health it's a really difficult thing it's it's life altering and it affects your relationships it affects your performance in jobs it affects so much in your life so whatever we can do to help improve the mental health of the next generation we have to do it we have a duty to do yeah. that I mean, we're really seeing an epidemic right now of of, uh, mental challenges um, on so many levels. And post-traumatic stress is not just related to veterans. You know, it's children of abuse, women of abuse, men of abuse. You know, it's trauma 
based and uh, yeah. you know so, people are going through so much trauma on one scale or the other and one of the things they're not being taught is how to manage it uh, you know how to to let it go or how to get through it how to embrace it i mean this is we're seeing this so much and you know we're seeing i think more than ever before maybe it's always been that way nobody talked about it um but the more we open up you know, this this whole arena, the more we realize of as a human society on this planet, how much trouble we're in. And we really need to open up this dialogue and this support a hell of a lot more, don't we? Absolutely. Well, we live in a material world. Sorry. No, 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 it's okay. Go on. No, no, no. It's all right, Sarah. Go on. <laughs> we, live in a, we live in a material world. We live in a world where actually more focus is put on what we own than yeah. how we feel. Yeah. And until we change that, until we shift that balance, until we teach our children that actually what they're feeling and what's going on inside is more important than the physical life that we're living, then we're going to keep exacerbating problems because a material world is never going to provide you with the satisfaction and the happiness that we all aspire to. Again, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that very top peer, is it's about internalised happiness. And you don't get that from material possessions. And yet we live in a society where actually that's all we're focused on. So we need this massive shift so that we look at actually the emotional side of our lives much more than we look at the physical Hmm. side of our lives. And that's where the trauma comes in. It's all associated with the physical, not um, not dealing with the emotional side of it. Right. Anushka? Yes, I was going to say that trauma is a massive thing in our society at the moment where we are just only just about learning really what happens. But trauma in itself, when that happens to an individual of any age, I mean, let's take a child. A child doesn't understand their emotions. And when this emotional abuse, for example, if they're growing up in narcissistic families, this is emotional abuse that's happening. Let's not even talk about sexual abuse. You know, the child doesn't feel great. And like Sarah says, you know, at that age, your your brain is malleable. You know, so this this child is learning how to cope with certain things um, with this abuse that's going on. And they don't know how because they are not emotionally developed. They haven't developed Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence at that age um, or, or, you know, or they don't know what their emotions are. And so as they go on, I mean, they just they try. They try to do that. And trauma freezes you. It freezes Mm -hmm. development. It freezes you in that moment. And that's pretty much what PTSD is, is where you are frozen and you relive that moment because it was so traumatic for your mind. Um, but also the, the, the impact that it has on your body too is, is horrendous. And for a child, I mean, you know what, eventually, eventually you learn how to cope with it when you don't, when you don't tackle, when there is no, um, when there is no treatment, um, you, you know uh, that you don't go for therapy or anything like that but you so you do learn how to cope with it but it's always maladaptive it always comes out in some other way yeah and so we really need to we really need to look at this and 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 we really need to look at it as a as a society because it is very damaging in all areas yes i think we also need to understand that trauma we when we look at ptsd we tend to associate trauma with being a one-off event and mm. actually Trauma is prolonged. It can be it can be something that happens over years rather than... And it can also be historical. There can be historical trauma. So a country, for example, that has been through a traumatic time, a war-torn country, generations later can still experience that trauma. And so the more we understand about 
how trauma is replayed in the mind, the more we can look towards that recovery. And I know meditation and yoga are really positive things that then have great results with um, PTSD because they put you in that present moment. They focus on your here and now. Um, so, yeah, the more advances that we make in understanding trauma and the effect it has on our neurological systems, that's when, yes. that's when we're going to start getting a better grasp on how we, how we recover from prolonged trauma like narcissistic abuse. Exactly. You know, and, and trauma, and trauma is, about your, is about a severing of your emotions. That's what mm-hmm. it's about because it's something awful that has happened. You're not able to adjust or understand your emotions at that time. And so that's why the byproduct is abuse, is, is that trauma. That's what happens. And that's why it is really important that we understand what has happened and be able and, and design ways of being able to cope with it. And we reenact that, don't we? We reenact yeah. that in our relationships. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. why people end up in abusive relationship after abusive relationship is because actually we're still trying to understand it. We're still trying to understand what the hell happened when I was five. So I'm going to, yeah. my brain is constantly trying to make head and the tail of it. And so we relive it. We do it. We go through it again with someone new trying to understand a little bit more. But obviously this just compounds the trauma even further. So we do need to find a way that we can intervene a lot faster with children. Uh, obviously that's my area. Um, so if we can intervene much faster with children that are experiencing trauma, recognising it in, in the schools and educational settings so that they're not labelled as having ADHD or some other form yes. of problem. And actually we're going, you know what, this this is a traumatic child. This yes. is a, ch- a child that's been experienced severe trauma. Let's deal with that. Then, then we're going to create a different generation, yeah. aren't we? Well, the thing is, is, is not to look at them as, as flawed or broken or, you know, dysfunctional. Uh, you know, what it is is to look at them as wounded. And when somebody's wounded, you nurturely, um, you know, them back to health, lovingly caring, help them back to health. When somebody has a physical owie, we're there to physically heal them. But when they have an emotional owie, people don't know how to do it. Um, they, they don't know how to love someone. They don't know how to just nurture that person back into healing because we know so little about it. And clearly this is going to be another topic of, you know, traumas. How do we get over traumas? Yes. How how do we, as general public, you know, deal with somebody in a trauma? Because you see people talking to themselves or people doing this or doing that, and people do a wide berth because they're afraid. They're not sure if this person's going to play out. But that person's stuck in a loop of a trauma. What can we do in order to be part of the healing um, solution as opposed to the abstaining solution because we are paralyzed and not knowing what to do. So definitely another topic to be had there. Um, ladies, would you, I mean, this has been a wonderful series. We've learned so much um, and it's been absolutely great. I mean, people, please listen to all three. I'm sorry, I'm picking up some background sound there. Um, but, we're, you know, we're Listen to all three. I guarantee you'll hear a lot. And do you know what? Listen to all three with a bunch of friends, girlfriends, family, whatever. Then be there to help each other because I guarantee you'll recognize somebody in your life. If it's not a spouse or something else, you'll recognize someone in your life that is like that. It could be your boss, could be your parent, could be, you know, your local priest or government person. 
once you are empowered to actually understand how they are, you're now empowering yourselves how to react to it. And the support of everyone together, you know, is, uh, what did they say, safety in numbers, right? So it's mm-hmm. important to have that safety. So, you know, how there are book clubs, please have a podcast club and listen to these shows because we're doing them to help you and empower you. We want you to step out of the narcissistic hold and step into a beautiful life of your own self-love and empowerment. We've done it. I've done it. I'm 17 years free of it. Um, doesn't mean it still doesn't chase me now and again or the triggers don't happen now and again, but not from him. So he has no effect on me anymore. And it can be done. We've just got to be willing to go through the process. And the first step is recognizing you need to get out. And that's really important. So will each of you please give uh, your site, how people can get hold of you? And um, and then we'll round it up. So Anushka? Okay. So, um, yes, my I... I um I have been running uh, Balanced Psychologies um, now since like 2015. And basically, I'm a Chinese psychologist and I specialize in narcissistic, psychopathic and sociopathic uh, relationships. And I help you basically recover and become the person that you want to be. And so I'll, I'll help you to understand what's happened and how you can move forward. You can find out all this information from www.balancepsychologies.com. I also have a YouTube channel um, where I make videos uh, weekly, which you can also access some of my um, content there. And my channel is called, surprisingly enough, Balance Psychologies. Um, I also have a blog which I contribute to um, twice weekly. So I do write a lot about it and I do put out a lot of um, information on how to recover, um, how to spot the behaviours of a um, of a narcissist. Um, not necessarily has to be a spouse or a partner. It can be friends or family members. But these are just characteristics or um, character traits that you can, you can spot. Um, so... Yeah, that's basically what what I do. Wonderful, Sarah. Thank you. Okay, I um, well, I have two businesses. I have um, the nurturing coach, where I help uh, victims of parental narcissistic abuse and parental alienation. Um, everything is the nurturing coach. So www.thenurturingcoach.co.uk, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube. Instagram is all the nurturing coach. Uh, I do videos and blogs three times a week. I also, if you're a professional listening to this and you want to know more about it and how you can work with um, children and families to help recognise these sort of disorders, that's um, www.napaarc.com and that's um, that's my training company as well. So, do get in touch. Wonderful. Well, I really do thank both of you, ladies. As I said, it's uh, it, it's been very well received because it's so little understood, and it's such as you said earlier, a crippling thing to be in. And it, it just it's all about taking your power away um, and boosting their power. And when you know when you recognise this and realise that you know all this demeaning, all this put down, all this control they have over you you're giving it away stop giving it to them and start empowering yourself and yes you might might have to do it covertly depending on you know who you're with um subtly and slowly 
or you know maybe it is one that you can just walk away from it that you have to assess and this is where you reach out to Anushka and you reach out to Sarah for advice for help for support don't do it on your own I had to do it on my own there was nobody else out there at that time that I could reach out to and I can tell you it took me a long time because of it you now have beautiful people like Anushka and Sarah here that are ready, willing and able to help you through it. So please don't do it alone. Understand you're not alone. Understand it's not you. And understand you can step back into your own beautiful, empowered life when you are willing to go through the process and set yourself free. So you do not have to be a victim of a narcissist anymore. Really important to know. So thank you so much, Anushka and Sarah. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Yes, thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. I've I've really enjoyed talking about it. Yes, it's nice to have the uh, it's nice to have the voice to be able to share our experiences. Yes, yes, yeah, and and just uh, mindful of information here. So please, folks, um, just all you have to do selfdiscoveryradio.com and put in narcissism, and the all three shows will come up. Or narcissistic, all three shows will come up. And I encourage you to listen to each one of them. There is valuable information in there. And as I said, share the shows, sit around listening to them with your friends and family, and empower yourself. Understand you do not have to stay into the cripple mode anymore. There is an answer, there is a solution, and we're here to help you. So, folks, until next time, bye for now. <laughs>